I don't know what it is about every time I try to talk about my birth story or record it that I just end up deleting it. Um, Maybe I'll get it through this time. I was really inspired by an amazing group of women to share my birth story, and I decided I would record it here since it is something very intimate to me, and um, I've never really shared it fully before and gone into the depths of all the emotions and struggles I went through, and I thought I would just put it here because I realized as much as I want this podcast to be a place where I make sure that I'm here to show up for me and embody what I feel the need to speak of. And I realized like, I also do want this to be an encouragement to other people. And I do hope that um, at some point when I share this, people may be able to relate and find encouragement and listen to this. So as much as I want to make sure I prioritize me truly um, not projecting onto other people what they need, but really uh, listening to what I feel is important to say and hearing it. But I don't want to make this all about me. Like I want to make this just about me looking in the mirror talking to myself because the truth is it's not just about me. It's about um, my scope of influence as well whatever that may be, whenever it's time for me to, you know, share this podcast. Um, But it's definitely in my heart to make sure I'm doing this for the right reasons and to really take my own advice before I can give it, you know, they say those who can't do teach. I don't want to be like that. I really want to understand and teach and speak from my heart. I, I, I know all the things to say. I've ta- you know, I've said so many things to people and encouraged them, but yet somehow I found myself in the depths of depression contemplating suicide. So, you know, this is just me being me for me, to me, and whoever else is in my life. And So I'm going to share my birth story and I'm going to really, I pray, Lord, that I will just be open and vulnerable and not ashamed of where I was because I'm not ashamed of where you're taking me, God. And so, you know, one thing I realized recently is my birth story is very much a reflection of how I've lived my life. And that was just constantly doing everything I could and being optimist and just choosing to not be attached to the outcome because I thought that's how it was meant to be, you know, that you just work super, 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 super hard, give it your all, and then give more and be optimistic about whatever happens. And don't be attached. Don't don't ask for too much, you know. Don't demand anything don't need anything, just work, 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 and then disappear. And I've had so much pain and struggle and, um, you know, I hate to use the word trauma, but that's what it is around my birth story. And I realized the bitterness that I had towards myself and other people, um, it was a cover-up because to feel frustration and hurt and bitterness was easier than to feel embracing and grace on my past and what happened. So instead of me just like choosing to forgive and love myself for everything that happened and how things went, I chose to be bitter at myself and other people and to tell myself it could have been different if only instead of realizing Sharon, you still did an amazing job and you did all that you knew to do in that moment and everything came out okay. So this is all a process of me just embracing my reality and totally believing and claiming a different future. So, um, you know, my pregnancy was very difficult. They told me for two weeks, I believe that Victor had passed and 
to be honest, like I didn't know if I had wished that upon myself. You know, when I found out I was pregnant, I did not think and feel that I was ready to be a mom. I had never even really like thought about or wanted to be a mom. I had wanted to adopt. Pregnancy totally freaked me out. I was not the biggest fan of seeing pregnant people. Like it didn't bother me, but it was kind of like, okay, that's a little strange. I did not feel comfortable in my femininity uh, for most of my life. I was a tomboy. And the idea of being a mom and potentially just really screwing up was daunting to me. And so um, as much as I was kind of attached for like the week that I thought I was pregnant to this little being, and I felt so much emotion when... um, you know, the baby passed and this, am I broken? Did I really want the baby? Like, did did this happen because of me? Because I felt not ready? Just what is going on with me? Will I ever have kids? You know, just opened up this jar of what it meant for me to be a mom. And that was really like super emotional for me. And then, um, finding out that I actually was pregnant And then accepting that and, you know, being grateful for that and totally excited about that. Um, And then having so many hardships of like, because me just trying to be independent and stuck in my ways, um, you know, being newlyweds at the time was just really difficult. Like there were times... um, I was really sick, extremely sick, and I had got a mouth infection after I went in for a cleaning, and I got like an abscess or something, an infection, and all the dentists were closed over the weekend, and I had to like keep ice in my mouth, or else the pain would just like blind me. I would like couldn't hear or see out of the left side of my face, and they ended up having to pull a tooth. I had a tooth missing for like a year, and then I had like little growths in my nose and my nose would bleed every single day. And it was because we had mold in our apartment. I mean, just like, you know, car accident happening, just so many things happened while I was pregnant. And the whole time, other than, you know, my, and my husband's relationship and me just wanting to solidify that before the baby came, I try to stay so positive. You know, we were living with friends because our apartment had mold and just like having to go apartment shopping and we were really poor at the time and just like packing up our house, unpacking our house, all the things doing while I'm like eight, nine months pregnant. And then, um, having the tumor removed from my nose and not using pain medications because it made my heart rate go up too high. And just like all these pains that I felt and not taking the pain medicine after, you know, during the tooth surgery, all these things, Um, because I just wanted to protect and keep the baby as healthy as possible because it was high risk. I felt like I, I felt like my entire pregnancy, there was just something, it was like preventing me from being happy. Like all of these struggles. And, um, I remember there was one or two nights I slept in my car because, you know, I was just having such a hard time with everything, you know, contemplating, marriage and who I am in Christ, like, do I have any friends? Like just total identity crisis. And, um, that was really like difficult for me. I kept feeling like, God, does anybody really love me? And how am I going to love this baby if I don't feel loved? (sighs) Is it possible for me to not screw up this baby's life when I feel so messed up? Can I show this baby your love when I don't really allow myself to feel loved by you? When will I ever feel truly loved? I just didn't want to have a baby in this place of brokenness. And, uh, you know, God did a lot of miracles within like my ninth month of pregnancy and I'll never forget, um, yeah, in like the last few weeks, you know, my baby never flipped Victor. We didn't know if it was a boy or girl at the time. We didn't really even have a name. 
and he was not head down, but I was so, you know, I wanted a very natural birth. It was either going to be at this little home birthing center or at my house. And the midwife told me, you know, she cannot, she can lose her license if she performs a breach delivery. And so we were even contemplating just doing the baby at home, watching videos. <laughs> like I, I was certain that God was going to allow me to have a natural birth because surely that's what God wanted, right? Just a natural, simple birth, like the way he planned back in, you know, the garden. And so I really had no doubts. Like I just wanted to get the baby to flip so that the midwife could be there. I I just thought everything was going to work out in the end. I went and tried, I tried chiropractor. I heard that could help flip the baby. I tried the version where this lady, probably one of the most painful things in my life where she like pushed on the baby in my stomach, just pushed and pushed and pushed. And anytime he would get close to flipping, he would just flip right back. He never fully flipped. And later we found out why I have a septum. Like I have this little thing like um, sticking down in my uterus that his head was stuck in. Um, But you know, I went upside down in the pool trying to get in a flip. I did acupuncture. I laid upside down on all kinds of things. You know, just tried all the things that anybody recommended um, to try to get my baby to flip. And then I was like, well, it's not flipping, so that's fine. It's just going to flip during delivery. I had tons of people tell me their baby flipped um, during delivery. It's it's going to be okay. It's no problem. And I wake up one morning because I felt like some, somebody stuck a needle like in my belly and like I felt a pop. I look at the clock. It's 525 as soon as I woke up, which I totally love that. That's my birthday, May 25th. It's like, oh, wow. Okay, this is totally crazy. I go pee and then water gushes out. And I'm like, okay, my water broke. Short, like shortly after contraction started, They weren't too painful. You know, it's fine. Contractions. We go to my midwife and she's like, yeah, your baby's still breech and you're not extremely dilated. So I just want to monitor you to see if this baby will flip so that I can help deliver your baby. So we go eat breakfast. The contractions get a little more intense. We come back home. We're just, we lay in bed together. We start watching a movie together. We're literally, we start walking. I start bouncing on the yoga ball. The contraction getting more and more intense. And it's like, at this time, it's like 12, 14 hours after my water had broke. And my midwife is like, okay, you need to go to the hospital. Maybe something's wrong. Like, you know, this could be more serious than we think. And so she's like, I don't want you, your water already broke like super early on. So you need to go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital. I sign a waiver to deliver the baby naturally because once again, totally trusting that God was going to allow this to happen because why not? It wasn't anything bad, right? Like I just wanted to have this baby naturally like I thought he designed it. And then um, I realized, hey, without my midwife here, they would not let my midwife in the hospital. So I call my sister who's had three natural babies. One of them was even 10 and a half pounds. Like, you know, she's total beast, strong woman, warrior, And I was like, I need you to come here and like kind of coax me through this because I have no idea what to expect as normal. And I want to know if I need to call the doctor. But at this point, because my water had broken and I was in the hospital, they would not let me, even though they would let me labor naturally, they would not let me labor without having an IV in place and a monitor on to monitor signs of, you know, potential signs of infection. So like stress for the baby or like my heart rate increasing, my temperature increasing, those things. So uh, they would check on me every once in a while. They gave me like five bags of IV fluid. I'm not even sure why. I just kept like water just kept gushing out of me. I don't know if I was peeing or what. Like water was just like everywhere. At this point, like the pain is so intense. Like I'm having the worst back labor, like so painful. Pictures like head was in my ribs and but I'm just like so set on just feeling my baby come out of me that I like, I don't even think, I think I told my mind not to feel it. So I definitely like was screaming 
and like groaning and like in total pain. But I was like in denial that I was in pain because I was just not going to give in to not like I did not want to have a C-section. Not only was surgery my worst fear, but I wanted to see and feel like I wanted my first birth experience to be like me, you know, my husband catching the baby, putting him on my chest. Like I just had this vision in my head. So in the hospital, 10 hours pass, like I've hot rags on me. I'm like peeing everywhere. Then the pain is so bad. I'm like screaming. And uh, I also had to like stand up during my contractions because they were hoping like the gravity would pull the baby down. Victor was still super high up. So I'm like getting more and more dilated and I'm like, okay, this is a good sign, right? This is totally good. This is totally cool. And then all of a sudden I feel like this strong urge to push like this. I felt, I thought I felt my baby's head like coming, like this is it. So we call for the doctor. Doctor comes in and she's like, I'm so sorry. Like your baby is nowhere near coming down. He's sideways. Um, and you're fully dilated. Like there's nothing we can do. And she was like very, um, such a wonderful person. She's like, I'm not going to pressure you to have a C-section, but there's nothing, you know, you, you decide if there's something else that you could do, you know, just take the moment to like, she basically was like, knew I only had one option, but did not want to tell me like, you have no other choice. Like right now you do it. And she was not mean at all to me. She wasn't like, I told you from the beginning, you need to have a C-section. She was like, you've done everything you can. You did great mom. And now, you know, it's time to think about the next step. And like, it's so amazing though, during this whole time, Victor, um, you know, they were monitoring my belly. Like he remained healthy and I hated having all those cords on me. Like I, you know, like I said, I wanted a home birth. I just wanted like super simple, but I was like, you know, obviously wanting to make sure my baby was safe in that instance that my, at this point, my water had been broke like 32 hours. And so, you know, I just cried these like heavy tears of like surrender of like just giving up what I thought would be like my ideal birth. And we go down and the lady was so sweet. She arranged that the air could be there when they gave me the epidural for the surgery. And I was really nervous about it because I'm very sensitive to um, medicine. I don't ever take Tylenol. I take nothing. Headaches doesn't matter. Like even when I had my um, like tooth infection, I didn't take any pain medicine. Like I'm, I have very adverse reactions, but I'm also like very into like natural feeling everything, working through everything, working with what comes up. And so also I have uh, what some people like to call a disease called periodic paralysis. And there's been known complications with my disease and epidural. And also um, I have a, I used to, have bad dreams for nine years, like extremely bad dreams. And so I was also afraid of like, if I went, if I, you know, went on a medication, and I were to black out, like if getting stuck in a state of like terrible dreams, I know that that's not necessarily how things work, but that was one of my fears. And then another one of my fears is like, you know, like all of a sudden, like I'm going to have this huge scar on my body. Um, but anyways, yeah. Like just being cut open, all that. I had so much fear. And I had seen C-sections performed before because I was a paramedic. And in school, that was one of the things you had to watch was like live births. And I saw the way that they like take things out and like wash it and put it back in. And that just like totally was not anything I was interested in. But anyways, okay, like total surrender. Like, okay, God, this is where I'm at. This is – and so – um but I have so, I had so much pain. It's so funny. I just want to cry, but I, like God totally changed my view. I used to cry, like grieve. Um, looking back on myself in the hospital room, I remember like my husband holding me. I was in so much pain. And I was like, the doctor came in. She's like, are you okay? And I, Sucked in all of that pain and mustered a smile. I was like, I'm fine. We're doing great. Like, I'm going to go through this. This is going to be okay. I remember just thinking, like, 
God, I'm giving it all I have. Won't you grant me my one wish? (laughs) I've done all the things I could do. Why aren't you here? Like, show up. I had, like, total faith he was going to show up. You know, my knight in shining armor, like, this God that I've envisioned, like, I had put my total faith in my whole life. You know, like, God, you have to show up because I did X, Y, and Z. Like, you have to show up like this. I did all the things I'd known to do. And I remember like so many times when I was alone, I would think back to that moment and see myself struggling, but optimistic, total faith, and just feeling like denied, denied, denied. I had so much bitterness and I wouldn't even like allow myself to feel the bitterness because I was in denial that that's how I felt towards God because, you know, we're taught to just give everything over to God, surrender. He knows best. We're taught to never question who God is, but that he's good and that he's good. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. He's good. He's good. Just trust it. Believe it. Even if you don't see it in your life, you know, we're fed this like, it's pretty much like tasteless bread. And we're told like, eat this like thing almost that just cuts your tongue up. Eat it. And say it's good. Just do it, you know? And I feel like because it's passed down from generation to generation, it it's, like, expected. And we, and because we don't taste that it's good, we shove it in someone else's mouth, hoping that they'll be able to convince us that it tastes good and that there's just something wrong with you. Because that feels safe. It feels comfortable. And so, yeah, more on that later. But basically, like, that's kind of how I transitioned into my C-section. And then I get the epidural. Oh, at that point, my contractions were so bad. Like, I didn't even feel the pain of it going in my back, really. And then all of a sudden, you know, they give you the spiel of, like, you're not going to feel like you can breathe, but you'll be able to breathe. And, like, I was a paramedic. I got it. You know, we went through we were taught all that kind of stuff about medications. And then they're like, you know, there are some possible side effects, but we do this all the time. Everything should be fine. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I hate the idea of having an epidural, but you know, at this point I have to have a C-section, got to have one. Uh, they do it. They move me over back onto the bed so that they can transfer me to the surgery room. All of a sudden, my ears start ringing, my eyes start rolling, like I'm going in and out of, like, awareness. My arms start, like, flopping like crazy. I start shaking, shivering. And at this point, it had been 32 hours, um, like 20 of those hours intense labor. The last 16 of those hours, they would not let me eat or drink. Um, I had lost... uh, I had so much stuff, like IVs in me, all this stuff. I was, like, huge, swollen. I looked as bad as I felt. And I start, like, flopping, ears ringing, all this stuff, you know, like. And never in my life have I ever seen my husband, like, lose his cool in his eyes. Like, he's always been like, I've got you. Like, no matter what. Like, his eyes are very steady, unchanging. He looks down at me. We're both wearing, like, these like hats that cover our hair and like these masks on our mouth for the surgery room. And he looks at me in the eyes and I'm like, Oh man, as I'm like kind of coming in out of awareness, I'm like, this guy does not believe that everything's okay. And in that moment where he's like holding my arms down and I'm like shivering, shaking, like just convulsing. I'm like, okay, God, I may live or die, whatever, but just like, help my baby to live, like, you know, I always say, like, through my greatest surrender came my biggest blessing. I was like, I do not know what's about to happen. I don't know if I'm going to get better, if I'm going to get worse. 
And then all of a sudden, I guess I start feeling this, the like this pain in my chest. That's so intense. And not only that, the whole not breathing thing, like they to- told me about it, but I was not prepared for like literally feeling like I could not breathe. I felt like there was an elephant on my chest. And all of a sudden I feel this fire burning in my chest. Like somebody was just like ripping my heart out. And I was like, like, what is going on? I can't like, and I start like shaking again and they're like, it's fine. And they have this curtain up so they won't let me see what's going on down there. And then all of a sudden, out pops Victor, you know, and we did not know the gender. And they're like, it's a boy. And I see this thing and he's crying. They lay him on my chest and I couldn't even really, I think I could touch him with one arm. I was just still like not totally like it was crazy because in that moment I was more alive than I had ever been. Like I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel anything. I was just like bawling my eyes out. I cannot believe that my baby was healthy. I just could not believe that he was okay. I was like total, total tears. Um, They let Eric cut the cord. They sang him happy birthday. It was just like this total moment of bliss. And then they had to uh, take him away while they stitched me up. And... Um, the pain came back and all these other symptoms and things came back, but it was like, it didn't matter. I was just like watching him the whole time. And then they give him back to me, they wheel us in the other room and, uh, they, I don't know why, but they kept me paralyzed for 24 hours. That was a little bit difficult for me because I was thought, you know, I was going to do skin to skin. He was going to sleep with me. Everything was going to be fine. Like, I had these like very, you know, home birthy type uh, expectations, but they actually like took him away because they said I needed to sleep. And then, and anyways, they gave him sugar water or whatever. It was like kind of upsetting. They kept him. And then when they brought him back in, uh, Victor was crying and my husband was there with me. He was so tired. He did not wake up at all. And I couldn't move. I literally, I couldn't move my, I couldn't even sit up fully by myself. They still had me paralyzed. And I remember throwing a pillow at Eric and he woke up. He's like, what, what? I was like, Eric, we have a baby. Like, I need my baby. I got to feed him. And boy, like breastfeeding, total, total painful process, like totally crazy. And, but I was so naive that when they asked me if my milk came in, I was like, yeah, my baby's nursing I had no idea that like milk coming in was a separate thing than like colostrum and all that stuff but I never had any problems with milk like so grateful for that um but so then they let me leave the hospital I think it was like 30 something hours later I really just want to get out of the hospital I did not take any pain medicine once I left the hospital because I was like very adamant about you know once again me taking everything on myself because I'm strong enough, I'm capable enough to make sure that everyone else is okay. And I did not want that in my breast milk. That did not mean that I still didn't feel pain. Actually, in fact, like I had a very hard time sitting up. And this is the other part of like uh, the things that I struggle with that I went through. Um, my hus- So I had Victor on Thursday. My husband had to go back to work on Monday. And um, I was by myself with Victor. And I remember a few times where I had to use the restroom so bad, but I couldn't sit up. And I remember one time I, I was sitting in a rocking chair. I had managed to go over the rocking chair because it was easy to sit up and hold Victor. And I couldn't get out. And I remember pushing so hard to get up out of the rocking chair with Victor that I tore a little bit. Like it started to come open. I remember just crying and I was like crawled to the bathroom and uh, set Victor down and he was crying. And I just remember like myself crying from pain. Victor was crying, me um, starving. I was so hungry, but I couldn't get to the food and just like totally feeling helpless. And um, like that is something I've had to work around myself, just that whole scenario of like, constantly going back to like, God, why, why, why am I going through this? Why am I not strong enough? Why am I doing everything that I can? But it's still so hard for me. And I remember like, I don't even think I told anyone I need help. I don't think I even really asked anyone for help. My mom was in Korea. I think one of her siblings, oh, uh, 
spouses had passed away and she was there with her family. And then my mother-in-law was, I think my, um, the podcast cut off from where I was, so I'm not sure where it cut off, but basically (sighs) when I started working, things just got worse because then, you know, I was like, okay, we need the money. I have this opportunity to work, which is where I found my value and take my baby with me. And I started off just working a couple days and my son was not even, he was shy of three weeks old and I wasn't even fully recovered. And I remember reaching out to people to like, quote unquote, like asking them to pray for me because I was so nervous. But in reality, I was like, I was begging for somebody to say no, like, don't do it. Like, you're worth so much more than having to show your worth. I was just hoping that somebody would be like, please don't. I'll take care of you. Like, your baby's too young. You know, you're still recovering. Like, you're worth not exhausting yourself for but of course my whole life people were used to me doing everything myself me being positive me holding it all together so they were just like oh you're gonna do great it's awesome that's fine I'll pray for you but it's gonna be fine I remember one person in particularly I was like how can you not protest this like I was just like begging for someone to protest like no you're like (laughs) yeah I don't know but basically I'm just I don't know where my podcast cut off so I'm just gonna share this again like I'm sharing this because if you find your value in how much you do I'm I want to be the one that's like right now don't do it don't overwork yourself don't let yourself get into that space. Find help. Ask for help. And if you don't feel safe asking anyone in your life for help, find someone else. And not just like any therapist or any psychologist, but like find a safe, loving space. Even from someone that you don't pay for. Just someone that you can trust that is willing to listen to you. Like for me, I always thought I had to pay for everything. Because if maybe I took too much of your time. Even now, I still like pay for everyone. Or like if I go out to eat with someone. Like I, even if I can't afford to pay for them. Like I want to. Because I just want to make sure that when we leave. You don't think I took anything from you. Like I only want to give. Because the idea of taking from someone is so uncomfortable. And if you can't relate to this at all, like, please go reach out to your friends, your family, you know, and make sure it'd be like, you know, if there's someone who, you know, is independent and like going through something or had a baby, like, but don't even ask them if they need help. Be like, I miss you. Can I come spend time with you? Even if that means folding your laundry or just watching you while you cook, Or can I bring you your favorite meal and just like love on you? Because I miss you. I need you. But anyways, so I started working with Victor when he was like just shy of three weeks old. I couldn't even like carry the laundry baskets up the stairs. My boss had to just because they told me I could tear open and cause an infection. And I had already kind of slightly torn it trying to get out of... um, the rocking chair when like my husband went back to work when Victor was just like three or four days old. And, um, I was struggling, but I, once again, I thought I had to do all the things and it just kept getting worse and worse. I kept signing up to work more and I was leaving work feeling like I wasn't a good worker, feeling like I wasn't a good mom, coming home, feeling like I wasn't a good wife, but still doing all the things, doing the grocery shopping, Um, Coming home, trying to clean, apologizing if the house was a mess, apologizing if dinner wasn't ready when he got home, you know, putting my son to bed, then making sure I spent time with my husband, my husband going to bed, I would cry, I would, you know, um, 
contemplate suicide. There were some nights where I went to, I would lie in the bathtub holding a knife and like crying out to God, like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to kill myself. But at the same time, the idea of, you know, letting go of all these emotions, of all this pain, of all this feeling of worthlessness, it kind of sounds good. But I I don't want to do anything stupid. God, please help me not to do anything stupid. If I make it through all of this, please help me to help other women in the state, just to be there for someone, to relate to somebody, just... God, if this is all for a greater purpose, like I'm all in, but just God, please don't let me do anything stupid. Please don't let me ruin my marriage. Please don't let, like, allow me to harm my son um, by just not being, not taking care of myself. And it, it, it just kept getting worse and worse. And like, I remember one day coming home from church and I was looking out the window crying and my husband was like, are you crying? And I was just, I ignored him because I didn't want to say yes. And I didn't know, you know, obviously if I said no, you would have heard it in my voice. And I know he hated when I cried, like not hated, he wasn't rude, but like it, it made him really sad. And I, at that point was like crying every single day. And I was just feeling like this emotional, worthless person because I couldn't hold it together feeling like a failure as a wife. And, uh, I remember thinking I was, and I didn't even want to tell him what was going on. Cause what was really going on was I remember looking out the window and being like, will I ever feel happy again? Just wondering where God was like totally bitter, totally bitter that there was no one that stepped in and saved my day. You know, it was like I had family and my husband, like I had people like, couldn't they see like, and I wasn't even being a hypocrite. I was just trying to be optimistic. And just that weight of like, am I going to mess up my child's life by being this depressed, unhappy, incapable mom that just weighed on me so heavy. And it got to the point of one day I just started a huge fight with my husband because I was projecting all my inadequacies on him. Like, you know, you don't do enough. You need to find a better job. You need to do more. Like almost like wanting him to exhaust himself yeah but uh i was like really i think just wanting him to exhaust himself to me like i wanted him to feel what i felt and a lot of times you know that goes back to the whole like someone shoving something in their own mouth and someone shoving something in someone else's mouth and saying this is good even though it doesn't feel good, it doesn't taste good. And then what does that person does? Because they want to believe it or because that's what they've been told. They shove it in someone else's mouth and say, this is good. And this is what it should be like. And whether they do that with God, Christianity, religion, you know, uh, any type of belief that they've been passed down, um, abusers, you know, all those things. We just kind of learn what we learn and then we try to pass it on instead of saying, wait a second. And so basically I didn't do that. I didn't say, wait a second, like something's wrong here. I was like, like basically wanting him to tell me, Hey, something's wrong here. And we need to figure this out. Like I was wanting him to just do all the things that I couldn't do. And since he couldn't, I was wanting him to feel the way that I felt. And it was just, it honestly, like I've never shared this with anyone because it is so like sacred with how like difficult and it was, it's just so wrong. But I want to share this because first of all, I want people to know that it's possible to recover from such a low, low, but I also want people to know, like, you're not the only one if you're going through this. But I also want, if there's people who, you know, maybe never experienced this or never even, like, went to that mental state, like, 
um, just to be able to reach out to friends and family. Um, but I remember one night in particularly, like, I was just, I felt like I couldn't take care of Victor anymore with a healthy mental state. Like, I I just, like, set him in the, Victor in the room, and I was like, Eric, I need you to take care of Victor. I can't do this anymore. Like, you need to find a way to help me. Uh, but it was not in a healthy way. I wasn't saying in a healthy way, and he's basically, you know, thought there was something wrong with me and I felt like there was something wrong with me but I couldn't convey what was going on inside of me or in my heart so basically I was feeling so down about myself and had like pretty much like lost hope and I was just I couldn't convey to Eric the pain that I was feeling inside so I guess I decided to show him what I was feeling, how much pain I was feeling inside by hurting myself physically. I remember that day (laughs) picking up a metal bar. (laughs) It was actually like a curtain rod or something. And just started beating myself up. (laughs) Started smacking myself over and over again on my head. Just wanting, I don't know if I was wanting to release pain or show something was wrong or if I even had a thought about it. Or maybe I thought I deserved pain. I don't know what was going on with me that day. I just remember I hated myself so much and that's what felt right. I just kept hitting myself over and over again on the head, like so painful. But it felt so good to feel that pain physically. I remember that day Eric like came in the room and he started like screaming and he pinned me down and he was like, what is wrong with you? What's going on? And still in that moment, just like bitterness and anger, like I couldn't even see the pain he was going through because I was going through so much pain. I couldn't even realize he was trying to help me in the best way that he knew possible. I don't remember. Literally, I don't remember whatever happened that day. I probably just got like super embarrassed, confused, and cried. and Maybe cried myself to sleep. I don't know. Like cried myself to sleep praying like for answers. But somehow, someway, slowly but surely, and you know, if obviously if you need help like totally reach out to me and I'll share some of the things that I know and remember and I'm working on that got me out of that space but it's just a total miracle from where I'm standing today like God just relieving me of all the bitterness all the self-hatred all the self-loathing all the um and maybe not all like yes totally there are days I still struggle But just like God just totally revamped my life and gave me so much hope, so much freedom, so much understanding uh, around that. And like, you know, maybe it's because your parents did it and that whole cycle of not being good enough and that projecting, like where we learn to project onto other people to need, um, to live up to our standard and where we projected onto ourselves to have to live up to under other people's standards. I will not know. But today I'm here to totally testify that it can change and not only change, it can be, you can be revitalized. I can be revitalized. There is so much change and beauty And healing, 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 healing. That is totally possible. Like, I can't even tell you that sometimes I cry now because I'm so in love with my son. I'm so in love with my husband. I'm, like, have amazing friends. Like, actually, yesterday I was just totally crying because I had a friend message me and give me the sweetest message. And I was like, I totally 
totally feel like I don't deserve that. Like I've been longing for someone to a friend to totally love me in that way. Like, thank you. I just became like, I was this absolute needy person and that's okay. And I now can look back on all those places and all those people that I were all those different stages of who I was. And I'm able to say like, I'm not embarrassed of you. I love you. Like you did the best you could. And I'm so glad you found help. And I'm so glad that you can relate to other people. I'm so glad that you have no room to judge anyone else. I'm so glad that you literally have like dropped all your judgments of other people and like living from a place of freedom, living from a place of love and able to enjoy myself and who God created me to be. It, it feels so good to appreciate my own hard work and not to feel not to be boastful or proud, but just true gratitude that God gave me the capability to finish my work and end my day at work feeling like I totally nailed it. And when I make a mistake to be like, oh, I'm so sorry I made a mistake, but totally believing that I'm totally forgiven and that I'm totally adequate and possible to come back and do an amazing job. And totally just trusting my son that he will overcome any any struggle that he may have because maybe there's an area where I'm lacking. Like just totally trusting God, totally trusting my son that he's going to make it. He's resilient. He's going to be even greater than I ever imagined him or wanted him to be. And regardless of the, the things that I struggle with or my husband and I struggle with, totally trusting my husband that he can handle me and that he loves me beyond capacity and that I am perfect for him. God designed me with all my struggles and all my things, like totally I'm in his life for a reason and I'm a blessing. Like that is, that was so hard to even imagine, let alone like hear or say, but I'm here to claim it. And I'm here to just like root for the world, root for all of us women, you know, and, um, I'm going to sing a song <laughs> that, w- that was sung at my wedding. I have challenged myself. Uh, this is kind of a crazy story. So I it's, I was like talking to God when I'm like, I wish I could sing. If I could sing, I would just want to sing and encourage the world and just testify of you, God, and just like our intimacy. Like I sing to God all the time, but I do not like singing to, in front of other people. Um, let me be. Sorry, I'm looking up the lyrics. I. I'm like not a good singer, but it's so funny because literally like a couple days later, I was somewhere and this lady walks up to me and hands me $40. I'm still clueless as to like what the $40 is all about. Um, so I'm holding on to those $40 until God says this, this is what that's for. But she said two things to me. She said, I'm changing the, the generational, I'm changing the heritage of my family something like that. I'm I'm breaking the cycles. And then the other thing she said to me was of the anointing of singing. And I was like, either God's all of a sudden going to give me an amazing voice or he wants me to sing anyways and he's going to use it. So that amazing voice hasn't kicked in, but I decided I'm going to sing anyway. And so I'm singing this song that was sung at our wedding. Um, because sometimes when I feel like I need to love someone, I like like my husband, I will listen to this song and I will think of him and I will like basically uh, say this as a prayer to God for my husband, like help me to love my husband. And then God recently like showed me like I need to pray for this sometimes for myself. So maybe you'll listen to the song and you'll think of someone in your life who you really need to love. Or maybe... Um, Or maybe um, you need to listen to this song and think of yourself as someone that you need to love. Um, I'm looking up the lyrics, so that's why I'm pausing and struggling. Okay, so I'm going to look up the lyrics. I don't know how this tone is going to come out, but I'm totally just going to trust 
that God's got this and that you've got this, that you can handle it. <laughs> Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one. The one in whom you loved and gave your son for humanity. Increase my love. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Oh, how you love us. From the homeless to the famous and in between. You formed us, you made us carefully. Cause in the end, we're all your children. So help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Let all my life tell of who you are. The wonder of your never-ending love. Let all my life tell of who you are. You're wonderful and such a good father. So help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lies and sees the truth. Oh, that when I look in my eyes, I would see you. Even in just a smile. I would feel the Father's love. 